Okay, that's the second time we've tried to use that fancy intro thing. Hope it's working. Hope people are liking it. Got some lovely comments about that yesterday. Welcome back to Tune It Over. I'm Jack Chu, and uh, I'm still fidgeting, moving stuff around a little bit, but uh, welcome back. Got a few things to chat about. Really enjoying this. It's out of, Once I've done this one, we've done like a week's worth, so... I think the first one was Wednesday. It's meant to be Tuesday. Had a technical glitch. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week. Here we are, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. One of the big things is like, can you can you create something that's sustainable? Can you do half an hour? Um, does it feel like it's taxing to produce, et cetera, and stuff? And we're trying to, that's a technology thing as well as then sort of the topics and, and, and my patience, your patience. Uh, I haven't got any stats. I was hoping to have some stats today as to so how people are tuning in. But then at least we'll have almost like a week's worth in full then uh, as of after this one but it does seem that because this goes out across seven streams across social media um you know there's, there's interaction everywhere it looks uh, most so on facebook it seems on the physio matters page on facebook is where it's most interacted with but then people look on periscope on twitter instagram uh, youtube so there's a few different places and so thank you for that thank you for participating hope you're enjoying it because a lot of the time, a lot of content being produced is sort of always commentating after the fact, uh, whereas this can be sort of more emergent and it seems to be more more relevant, which is good. Uh, Matt Scar's book making a point that I'm sure a lot of you are feeling. Listening to you at lunchtime becoming a bit of a bad habit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think there's a few people feeling that way. I've had text to that effect. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about the cough. There's a bit of a virus going around. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, no, don't worry. I, I jest. I, I don't have that. And if I did, you know, I don't think you needed to worry too much about transmission. Uh, it's not quite that contagious. So uh, panic not. So yeah, this is session six. Today we're chewing over COVID rehab because that came back up as a topic. AI triage because that came up on the Physio Matters podcast this week. Um, this month's episode is with a surgeon and we discussed AI, but it wasn't actually in the main podcast. It's actually something that's available on therapistlearning.com, talking about algorithms and triage and diagnostics and stuff, which is fascinating. So I'll touch on that and my opinions on that. I'm interested in your thoughts. And then also, who should be ordering MSK imaging? It came up on Twitter, fairly hot off the press. You might not have noticed it, but... Um, someone was posting about a frustration where GPs who, who'd had their sort of MSK imaging rights uh, taken away from them to some extent and then distributed across to advanced practitioner, physios, et cetera, or services. Um, a mixed, mixed opinions for me on that sort of stuff. I understand how it's happening, but I think it's fraught with uh, problems. And I, I do feel for some of my medical colleagues when that's happening to them. So these are they're, they're the things we want to talk about today. And I'm really interested in in, in your guys' thoughts on, on, on all those things. First thing, though, is, is sort of COVID rehab. Um, the reason I was being drawn in or drawn on that topic is because I wrote a, well, I was I was advocating for sort of unified MSK rehab professionals to be available as a workforce for rehabilitation as a primary mechanism of helping society right in the thick of it when it was really emerging March, April time especially when we were we were thinking that the the care needs and the pressures on the health system were going to be in excess of what they ended up being now this is still a major and serious problem the pandemic i don't want to sound like i'm playing it down but it's a different environment now to when we thought that the over there was going to be the system was going to be overwhelmed in such a way that the nightingale hospitals were going to then be full and things like that or we're going to need them to sprout in every other town, uh, military hospitals and stuff. And so that, that's a, it's a different 
climate landscape than than then. But when that was at the height of it, was sort of what what are the best what is the best way in which MSK professionals of different stripes could contribute. And one of the biggest cases that I made was that if you set it up right and tried to lean us into our skills to scale people's functional abilities and look at them as entire whole individuals and not delineate things down to body parts and things like that, then we would have a massively important role, not just in COVID care, but in anything that's been displaced by, especially around then, what had been displaced by COVID. So all the disruptions to people's standard care delivery across various different ailments and body parts and things like that um and so it was that if you had a appropriate community rehab service uh, which involved some face-to-face -face in organization in institutions so in in, um, in hospitals in facilities they had some that was more distributed across the community you had some that was appropriately virtual um then you'd you'd kill several birds with with one stone and so I advocated for that and wrote a piece up about what we would call a Nightingale rehab service, how it would work, how it would be funded, that sort of thing. Wearing my MSK reform hat as the director of the think tank and to pose ideas. Um, so I'll, I'll leave a link to that and we can you can have a read if you wish. But I was drawn on it because today there was a the, yesterday there was a post um, discussing and some published work about long COVID. And, and the fact that some people are affected in such a way that it completely seems to be disrupting them and, and developing some post-viral fatigue that seems to be something quite unique in many ways. And it just begged this question as to where how are these patients going to be served in a system that's otherwise overwhelmed and challenged? And I think that that's you know, a really valid and fair point that people were making. But they were drawing me on the fact that that was something I'd already, already talked about. Um, I think that some of it overlaps well. There were some good points being made about the fact that, you know, we don't have uh, probably enough evidence to suggest that there's, um, that there's something really specific in particular we could or should be doing uh, for long COVID patients right now. But when, that's why I was sort of leaning on this idea of scaling their functional ability and the fact that it sort of matters less about what their condition is and it matters more about their individual function and their goals and their... Um, sort of pre-disease state and how they want to try and return to that and the social circumstances around it that seems more relevant so for me it, it, it's and, and i was admittedly a bit exasperated and didn't didn't really contribute much on social media apart from to just say like we feel like in many ways we missed the boat a little bit but around that time i was making a lot of noise and, and trying to influence as best i could and spoke to some pretty high ups and um, some senior civil servants and ministers that were really interested in what we were doing because it spoke specifically to a workforce and then a policy um, that could, sorry, a workforce and then an actual action and a style of care, style of practice, rather than it being just this sheep dip approach of recruitment, which was happening at the time. We were trying to be a bit more particular because it actually spoke to action. Some senior ministers and senior civil servants quite interested in that in many ways, but then others, um, in the policy space that probably I needed to convince the interface before legislation and funding were unconvinced by that argument it seemed and instead were just trying to get bodies and therefore MSK personnel being used as things like uh, proning teams turning teams within in intensive care uh, because they were just sort of wanting to get all hands on deck and I, I don't I don't blame them for that in terms of phase one planning especially when we thought the system was going to be completely overrun in many ways um but I just uh, I think that especially in light of what's happened, it just feels like a missed opportunity for us to have potentially bolstered the services that are best suited to actually deliver um, person-centered care, for want of a better term.
what I'm getting at with that is that the system that they're trying to build infrastructure around at the moment, particularly in the health service, but I would argue across our health system, even into the private sector, is it's it's often delineated by the pathology or system. So what I mean by that is you've got a you've got a, a, a digestive problem. You're seeing um, gastroenterologists, or you're, you've got an inflammatory problem you've seen a rheumatologist now that's of course something that affects multiple systems multiple body parts but what i'm meaning is you're delineating by disease specialty and there's a there's a utility to that but when you've got something like functional rehab needs across various different things both for covid and for covid displaced care where you've just got this this need to scale someone's functional ability and and, and be assisted and guided in that in whatever hands-on or virtual approach is required in whatever context just bolstering those services is not going to be sufficient because it actually it's the services that are constitutionally sort of better suited to actually deliver functional scaled rehab care are your community rehab services which are incredibly sparse in resources both in terms of staff and funding etc and you could argue put some minus on that um prior to this but what i'm meaning is that it's those services that are sort of suited to sort of treat whatever whatever comes in that will be rehabbing someone who's a uh, non-specific uh, post you know sort of 10 years post stroke and has got just general geriatric frailty needs multi-system um polypharmacy and they might also be seeing an amputee who's younger but also has these functional needs so this kind of physio ot's medics working together in mdt's in community settings without facilities that might be that those are the services that sort of see a more melting pot than delineated by specialty orthopedics and uh and, and surgical and, and likes that i'm describing um, hematology but these different specialties and this moment this is if you if you appropriately bolster and get back to some sort of normality on your system by system delineations in medicine and then they are all this could be this bottleneck where they get referred into what is kind of just quite generalized and and by having not bolstered those services better and actually thought about how this might bottleneck uh, i i see a bit of a slow crash there hope it's um yeah i've just heard a lot of sensible policy in that but, you know who am i privy sometimes to back the movements and legislation that may work exactly and, and you know, i'm just not at those uh for various some of them good reasons of course you know it's like who the hell you know as far as got some decent insights from various different are at the sum of those tables sound like that's happening it doesn't sound like this tension of rehab fundamentally um, within the lines of the of those what are now called the the arm profession by p uh remit which is a, a sort of fascinating category that is that is but, but you know the relevance a uh pediatric and should be doing and what i to help covid they are they're appropriate from each other in terms of what it is what based is that category error that sometimes with with the term um so interested in your thoughts something that i want to chew over i imagine will come back around but i just think that there's just a fascinating situation infrastructure is to do our needs 
right now as as a, as a society. I imagine it's across the world as well. But just what we what we've witnessed is something that's independent of that. This COVID stuff is super relevant. You know, the cancer care and other things become deconditioned, independent of MSK. But if they're all associated to MSK. The mental that we're seeing from various different portfolios and the return states from people into some sort of normality and the differences between different people and where he's making people anxious. We've got various things that, that some sensible approaches to what we can do to serve society as MSK professionals, especially those that are sort of appropriately enlightened to person centered care and holistic care in a biopsychosocial framework. You know, I just, I just. I got distracted by many things, Therapy Live being a major one and also just trying to stabilise my own businesses, admittedly. But um, all my work in, in MSKR at the start of the pandemic was something that uh, fell on, on more deaf ears than I'd have liked. Not necessarily amongst you guys in the grassroots, though. You know, thousands upon thousands of people joining the Rehab Recruits campaign where we were offering that workforce up to the NHS, um, which got submitted and things. But, yeah, there's various different ways in which we... Uh, We've, we've potentially missed the boat a little bit on that, which is which is a, an interesting situation I think we're in. Uh, Gemma, hi. She was on the show yesterday. Uh, we had a bit of a glitchy uh, contribution from her initially, but she delivered the, the news about some COVID PPE stuff. Gemma said post-COVID rehab and recovery. She's actually discussing that at 8 p.m. Uh, tomorrow on the physio and therapist support group. There's going to be a chat about long COVID and current situations and experiences of treating those patients. So do head over to that if you've not seen Gemma's support group, 3,000 strong um, group of people helping each other through what are challenging times, both in terms of clinic governance and, and policy, but also then also into some specifics on the clinical side on that group as well. So do check that out if you can. There she is, Gemma Oliver. Thanks a lot, mate. Appreciate that. So. The next thing was that on, um, so yeah, do, do share your uh, thoughts on that in the chat if you've got any, um, especially tell me tell me where I'm wrong, especially I'd love to hear I was wrong about my concerns in that direction. That would be really reassuring, um, particularly um, maybe I'm being a bit of a doomsday there. Maybe this, th those that are closer and in, inside the system in the NHS might, might be able to tell me that actually we're in better shape than I'm describing. The other thing is that we did a Physio Matters podcast with Jonathan Bell, who's an orthopedic surgeon um, in Wimbledon. And we did a podcast on orthopedic indications on the knee, surgical targets, injections, arthroscopy, some of the contentious issues in and around orthopedic surgery of the knee. It was a really good discussion, and I think it's going down well uh, from what I understand, both in statistics and feedback. But one of the things that came up that didn't make the cut for the main show, because we recorded like three, three and a half hour discussion, and so about an hour and a half has gone live. Big chunk of the, the offcuts are being delineated into therapistlearning.com. And one of the videos was about AI and the use of algorithms and triage. And, and so I just wanted to give you some early thoughts on that and just throw that out there. Probably something to get stuck into another day. But one of the, one of the big things was we were trying to work out what is the, how vital is, is the human interface and at what part of the process. And so at the moment, We've got examples of AI that are able to read a, read a CT scan, read an MRI scan, and be able to consistently detect things stronger than trained radiologists, consultant radiologists. And so you're in a situation where then ethically, you're better off 
making sure you integrate those models and get as high a hit rate as you can. Now, when it comes to clinical diagnostics, when it's a little bit more varied than just scan reads, that becomes a little bit messier. Um, so what, what is often advocated for is that if you've got something that can appropriately filter, so if there's some entry of information, be that symptoms on tick boxes or whatever it might be that, that, that get fed into a machine, if you can get some accuracy, at least for it to be triaged ahead of then seeing a clinician, then that filtering process and the ability to create an algorithm um, is a really interesting one. Now, we've been speaking out against algorithmic reasoning for many years now on Physiomatters and then through MSKR. But there's a, there's a big difference between using an algorithm for your entire reasoning and treatment process, whereby you're just pattern recognizing and then just saying, yeah, you qualify for this test um, and they pass or fail that test. And therefore, I think like this, uh, and therefore you're going to get this particular style of treatment and then similar algorithm runs to what dosage of manual treatment or exercise treatment you're going to give. That style of algorithmic reason, I'm not, I'm no, I'm no closer to being a fan of that at all. Lose patients in that, in that significantly. But actually when it comes to how someone comes to first be assessed by a patient, by a therapist, um, and the fact that they may have been able to be um for whatever you know at this point i'm just describing it theoretically but but by entering say symptoms some demographic information uh, certainly namely age and things like that or sex uh, of the person might be relevant to the likelihood or not of certain conditions serious or otherwise and then by that they're not getting a diagnostic printout and it's suggesting these are the modalities you should use but instead they are then being sort of triaged to a a level of clinician, um, it might be a subspecialty of a clinician, even by body part and or interest or disposition, whatever it might be, that seems like that's something that could be on the horizon. And um, it's something that is we, we need to understand it and discuss it as to whether or not we think that's a good idea or not. I'm not averse to that uh, in principle, um, even though someone that sort of seemed to speak out against algorithms and some people have thought that that's me suggesting that any algorithmic decision making is something i'm averse to not in this case you know i think that there's there's a place for it and also it could well be that that this place that i'm conceiving of theoretically in practice actually um is not going to be good for patients or the system or for therapists and, and that, that it ends up being too pseudo objective and almost robotic and actually dehumanizes the process in such a way that's not helpful so I don't know. I'm I'm on the I'm 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 wanting to at least bring that forward, and I think we're probably going to do some physio matters episodes, or even have some guests on here that sort of talk through the pros and cons of it. There's some people that have been really paying attention to health informatics and and uh, and other things that then have have ended up just being so into digital and tech that they've ended up a bit in this AI space. Um, and so I think we'd probably get them on the show and and discuss that and chew that over a bit. Um, so yeah, just generally interested in uh, all of your thoughts on. Uh, on that if you have any comments and questions then do post them obviously we'll put, we can pull them up on screen uh, as needs be um i'm just wanting to just check something here yeah, that seems to be on what i um what i wanted to sort of finish off with we always try and cover cover three topics throw it out there and see how uh, see what you guys think um third thing that i wanted to sort of talk about now was the um i think 
Oops, sorry. I've lost I've lost the stream briefly. Little glitch. There we go. Okay. I think we're still we're still good. We're still good. Um the thing that I would say that we we need to bear in mind beyond the um Oh, no. no, that's fine. The um, Beyond the algorithm chat and the ideas of AI is that one of the things that's happening, in, even independent of machines, is that as we change pathways and systems, one of the contentions that's occurred is who's, whose job is it to do what in the process, and particularly in primary care, MSK, amongst first contact practice, advanced practice, self-referral, you've got this... Uh, when someone has a musculoskeletal complaint, where do they present and how is that going to be behaving and, and what's the pathway uh, for who assesses as to whether or not this is something that needs further investigation, whether this needs referring on to a different specialty. That's become a contentious issue in many in many years. Um, and so one of the things that came up on Twitter, as I mentioned at the start of the show, is this idea that there's some services, um, GPs like say GP practices in some localities, that then aren't able to request knee MRIs, lumbar spine MRIs um, for presentations to their general practice, unless it's in specific circumstances, typically in terms of red flags, I imagine they're still able to and, um, and accelerate that process as quickly as possible. But often it's the case that someone comes in with, a, with an arthritic knee, um, sort of say a presentation is considered a degenerative meniscal tear and it's a 65 year old then typically what they might have done decided to do um, years ago or even recently or they still might fancy doing this is that they want an mr of that knee for whatever reason there are some services whereby they can't literally can't do that now and that they have to refer into a cats clinic is often what's called a clinical assessment team clinic which is often uh, advanced practice physiotherapists can be multidisciplinary in order for them to make some clinical decisions in and around the MSK case as MSK specialists in which they might then think an MRI is or isn't a good idea. And what's the contention is, and, and this was mentioned on Twitter, is that people are frustrated when the GPs are clearly like referring someone through their teeth. You know, they've basically sent a, a letter through that says, as you know, we now must use your service um, to, to order an MRI. Um, please assess this patient. Um, I feel it's indicated do as you need and they are clearly just fu fully disgruntled by this process and um there was a frustration with that i understand why but then also when there's a wait for that service that can sometimes then be if there's a wait for the service and then the msk clinician within that cats team agrees with that and therefore wants to request some imaging if there's no way that that gets expedited so there's not, it's not that that CATS team you know, get MRs the next day. If it's then that they needed to wait under a, the standard provider's wait um, and they've waited a few weeks to see the triaging clinician, that's concerning. And I'm hearing stories like that where the GPs having their rights revoked for some, for some sometimes good reason. But then it's so disruptive in the pathway that actually creates further delays, further disruption and further discomfort uh, in patients. That's not good. However, if the system is well oiled, 
and that the GP's rights have been revoked because of good data that demonstrated that there was an over-imaging going on and that there was um, some doubling up happening whereby you've got um, a misapplication mis of, of, of funds happening. Uh, well, Im wrong imaging was, was acquired and it needed something as more specialised eye of which advanced practice physios were often in that locality. I understand how it's happening. Now, there's clearly a communication issue going on anyway, whereby we want to try and tidy that up, I would say. Uh, I think that we should recognise the needs of um, our medical colleagues to, to ideally not have their rights to do things that they've always done revoked uh, where possible and instead try and educate in that direction, I would say. I think that that would be a more appropriate um, more appropriate way of, of managing that situation. But recognising that sometimes despite best efforts, there's been a mistake, there are continued mistakes being made in that direction. And um, when that's happening, then so will be it. I think I'm getting a bit of a stream glitch again, sorry. Um, apologies if uh, if your broken interrupted. Seems to be a bit of a connection issue here today. Self up. Uh, if you guys are, if you can still in, still getting this, then please let me know. That would be great. But um, we're wrapping up soon anyway, so hopefully you've got most of this today. Um, but I think there, there has been a few technical issues that I'll, I'll look to look into and try and iron out, uh, which may well have disrupted your ability to, to participate today, which is a shame. Fortunately, we've not got a guest on today. I hate it when that happens, I hate it when there's guests that we can't uh, tidy this up on. One thing to say on that is that Ian Griffiths is joining me tomorrow, the world-leading podiatrist um, who was making some great comments about a, a latest BJSM article and editorial, so the paper and an editorial about um, orthoses and the, the use of them um, in MSK. And it's just, you know, like anything, it needs it needs going through a filter. It needs uh, it needs to go through a filter. It needs to be um, expertly analysed, and there's no one better for that than Ian. So he's joining me on chewing it over tomorrow to talk about that. That's going to be the primary thing we chat about. Um, so please do join us for that if you want to hear from an actual expert for a bit, um, much like the other guests that have joined us. They've got some great insights, and so we've got him on tomorrow and then next Wednesday. So a uh, week today, you'll have Jane Ashbrook's going to be joining me to discuss student placements and some of the challenges in education at the moment, which will be a fact out from Jane, those that know a lover. Um, but as I say, I've got some today. I fear that, that you might not be even getting it. says that signal on the stream is down to like two out of ten. So apologies, lost me. Uh, but I'll wrap up. But thanks a lot for everyone. Uh, if this has been disrupted, and I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll tell it just as best we can. All right.